Well, we've been working our way through the book of Colossians together, so I invite you to open your Bibles again this morning, this time to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, you'll be able to follow along as we read the text together in a moment. Uh, Last week I gave a talk based on the last half of Colossians chapter 2. And there the Apostle Paul sounded three alarms that we all need to hear. Be on guard against legalism was one of the warning bells that he rang. Be on guard against mysticism and watch out for asceticism. Those were the three warnings uh, that he gave us. And we all need to hear them so that we don't let any robbers steal our freedom or fullness in Christ. Don't be swayed or sucked into the old way of life all over again. Don't be seduced by the power of the world. Don't be fooled by the promises of false teachers. Instead, remember who you are. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, our text for today, marks an end to Paul's argument against these false teachers in Colossae. It serves as a bridge, and it begins this section where he begins to petition us or appeal to us to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4 together. By now, most of you know that we read Scripture out loud together often. I believe there is incredible power in that. Uh, When the seen and the unseen worlds hear us as the people of God, declaring God's word just as God's word, there is tremendous power in that. We overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb, And this is part of our testimony this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Let's read it out loud together in unison. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I think this is an urgent reminder for us to remember who we are in Christ. And first of all, we need to remember that you died with Christ. Colossians 3.3 For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The old life is over. It's over. And the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, all of my sins and yours were nailed to the cross with him. And then when you opened your heart to Christ in faith, all of that work that he did on the cross became operative in your life. Your old life died, your new life came into into being. So spiritually speaking, we died with Christ the moment that he was nailed to the cross and it became operative in our lives when we repented of our sins and trusted in Jesus by faith. When Paul was writing to the Galatians, you recall in in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. 
Crucifixion means death, right? Uh, always. <laughs> in every circumstance. Uh, no one was ever crucified and, and, and came, in, came home in time for supper. That just never happened. We're crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. And so the old has passed away and the new has come. I read a story this week of two sisters who enjoyed attending wild parties, getting drunk every weekend. I mean, that was what they lived for. And then someone uh, in their life shared the gospel story with them again, had done so before, but again shared the gospel story. And both of these sisters came to faith in Christ. They, they both were converted. They both received new life, repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus. And shortly after coming to faith, they received another one of these invitations to come to a wild party. And uh, they sent an email back to say, we're sorry that we cannot come to your party this weekend because we died a month ago. <laughs> Can you imagine getting an email like that? Oh, I didn't know they died. Who sent the email, you know? We'd read that on the natural plane and go, what? What are you talking about you died? Crucified with Christ, right? The old life with its passions and pleasures, nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. And listen, if there's been no significant change in your life, your lifestyle, your language, your behavior, your attitudes... If there's been no significant change since you reportedly received Jesus Christ, you need to revisit that conversion experience. You need to head back to the cross. You may, not, you may still need to die there. <laughs> because if anyone is in Christ, the Bible says she is a new creation. And there should be evidence of new life in that life. So remember who you are. You died with Christ, but you also live in Christ. And those seem to be polar opposites, but they're not. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We die with Christ. And so we die to the power of sin. If we're alive in Christ, we're also alive to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. In, in spiritual regeneration, God renovates the heart, the core of a person's being, by implanting a new desire, a, a new purpose, a new dynamic that finds expression in a positive response to the gospel. When God is regenerating something, he's, uh, someone, he's placing a desire in them to respond positively to the good news of salvation through fa faith in Jesus Christ. So regeneration is that transition from spiritual death to spiritual life. And, and this concept, this idea, uh, was very near and dear to the Apostle Paul's heart. So much so that he would write, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. Some, you know, some people might define uh, the good life as, you know, to live is to golf. To live is to be on the water in my boat. To live is to be traveling in Paris and visiting the Louvre. For Paul, to live is Christ. And to die was gain. Christ is the most important thing in life. 
How many of you have seen the movie Braveheart? It's an older movie, quite a few of you. The movie tells the story of how a common man named William Wallace, who was a real figure uh, in history, led uh, Scotland out of English rule at the end of the 13th century. At the end of the movie, Wallace has been betrayed to the English, you remember, and he's sitting in prison awaiting execution. The Princess of Wales, who I think is fond of him, wants to see him freed, and so she comes to visit, his, visit him in his cell. She asks if there's any way that he would recant of his rebellion and just pledge allegiance to the King of England. Wallace sees what clearly is at stake, and he stands his ground without shame. The princess says, well, I, I come to beg you to confess all and swear allegiance to the king that he may show you mercy. Wallace says, if I swear to him, all that I am is dead already. Weeping, the princess says, you will die. It will be awful. Wallace replies, every man dies but not every man really lives. Every man dies, but not every man really lives. However, if you live in Christ, you are fully and absolutely alive. Living in Christ Jesus is a stupendous reality. It, it, it takes my breath away. I went back and used a, a concordance this week and went back into the New Testament to discover uh, all that is ours in Christ. When you're alive in Christ, you are rich. You might be living well below the poverty level on a fixed income, but you are rich if you are in Christ. What does the Bible say about being dead to sin and alive in Christ? This is what the Bible says. In Christ Jesus, you were given grace before the world was even created. <laughs> in Christ Jesus, you were chosen by God before creation. In Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love, and nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woohoo! In Christ Jesus, you were redeemed and forgiven for all your sins. I like that, Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ Jesus, you are justified before God, and the righteousness of God in Christ is imputed to you. In Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes for you. <laughs> in Christ Jesus, you're being sanctified and being made holy. In Christ Jesus, everything you really need will be supplied. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, the, pre the, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. In Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, free gift of God is eternal life. In my faith. Oh, no. In the Bible. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. In my church. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, wait. In Christ Jesus. We have so much in Christ. We're rich beyond compare. 
Yes, every man dies, of course. But not every man is really alive. However, if, if that man, that woman is in Christ, if they are living in Christ, then they are fully, abundantly, supernaturally, and completely alive. Do you believe that? Living in Christ is a marvelous thing. It, it almost takes my breath away. So remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You died with Christ. You live in Christ. And third, you've been raised with Christ. Verses 1 and 2, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You've been raised with Christ, and therefore, uh, you should get busy. Seek the things that are above. Set your heart on things above. You've been raised, so it's time to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Verse 2 compares the or contrast the things that are above with the things that are on earth. I think the implication is there that we ought to be pursuing a, a, a deeper knowledge and a, and a greater understanding of Christ himself and, and all that belongs to living for him and living with him to bring him glory and bring him honor. And our exalted position in Christ is not just a hypothetical thing or something that we should strive for, it's an accomplished fact. Paul says, you have been, past tense, raised with Christ. And Ephesians 2.6 tells us that God raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. Well, when did that happen? I'm still here. What do you mean I'm seated in the heavenly? Wow. When did that happen? It happened in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul tells us to set our hearts and our minds on things above and not the things that are on earth. Because these earthly things are not worthy of those who have been exalted to this high position in life. In the universe, we have a high and exalted position, so we shouldn't just we shouldn't get stuck with all the ordinary stuff. Remember who you are. You're a king's kid. Don't get so easily distracted by stuff. You know, the ordinary stuff of life. Dick Staub tells about the time that he went shopping with his three-year-old daughter. I can hardly wait to take Isla shopping when she's three. <laughs> he said, we, we were just leaving the video store when I noticed that she had an unopened, unpurchased Sesame Street video in her hand. So I said firmly to her, Jessica, let's put that back where we found it. But I want it, Daddy. Right about then, I'd be ready to say, okay, Isla, that's fine. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but he said, but Daddy doesn't have enough money to buy it. She gave me that patronizing look known to all parents of three-year-old children and said, Daddy, just charge it, silly. And I'm telling you, earthly things can easily distract us because we live in such a consumer-oriented society, right? It, it's not that difficult for the devil to lure us away from God with false promises of fame and fortune or pleasure and power. And if we can't afford it, we can just charge it, silly. 
But hey, wait a second. New perspective. You died with Christ. You live in Christ. You've been raised with Christ. So live like it. Live like you live in that high and exalted position. Don't get stuck with all the stuff in the Sesame Street videos of life. Set your mind, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And furthermore, if, as if that's not enough, we are also hidden in Christ. You have died, Paul says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's like double protection. Years ago, they used to advertise some deodorant, you know, was double protection. <laughs> I think of this, you know, we're, we're doubly protected. We're in Christ, in God. Yeah, it's a double covering. Paul is using the, the language of Isaiah and the Psalms here to express the, the security that we enjoy if we trust in Jesus Christ. Psalm 32, 7, for example, says, Lord, you are a hiding place. You're my hiding place, Lord hidden with Christ in God. This remarkable phrase means that the gift of salvation, like all other spiritual treasure, is, first of all, located in Christ, but it's also secure in Christ. Nobody can steal it away. Nobody can, can pull it away from us unless we give it away. We no longer belong to the world, but to Christ. And being hidden with Christ in God means security and, and shelter and, and satisfaction for the believer. Being hidden with Christ in God means, means hope and health and healing for us. So please remember who you are and begin to live like it. And from Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, we also learn that we have been glorified in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Christ is now seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven from whence he, he makes judgment and he, he uh, intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. Um, but one day, Scripture says, he will come to take us home. Even so, come Lord Jesus. When he does, we shall enter glory with Christ. That's what the Bible says. When he is revealed we will also be revealed in His glory and bring Him glory. According to the Apostle Paul elsewhere in Scripture, this whole idea of being glorified is so certain in his mind and his heart and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he speaks about this experience in the past tense. In Romans chapter 8, verse 30, he says, And those He predestined, Jesus also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So first thing I notice is in this passage is that the focus is on him. The focus is all on Jesus. I, I can't call myself. I can't justify myself, spiritually speaking. I can't, I can't glorify. My, the focus is on him. God does this for us and to us. Not so, it's not something we do. Paul uses the past tense to indicate that our glorification in the future is as certain as our salvation is today. It's a sure thing. You can count on being glorified. If you're saved today, you'll be glorified tomorrow. It's part of the package. Christ has already given us His glory, but the full revelation of the glory of God is not revealed until Jesus comes back. And He is coming. When Christ, who is your life, appears, 
then you also will appear with him in glory. Until then, in light of our wonderful identification with Christ, we have a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility to seek first the things that are above. We don't know what year Christ will come. We don't know what what day or, or what hour, what moment he will come, but we do know this. He's coming back. He's coming back. Acts 1.11, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Yeah. So that's an incentive to live for the king because the king's coming back and we don't know when. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, but sometime soon he's, he's coming. Let's be ready. <laughs> Let's live like he's coming back today and plan out our lives as though he's not coming back for a thousand years. May 28, 1972, the Duke of Windsor, who was also the uncrowned King Edward VIII, died in Paris. And that same night, the television network uh, sh showed a documentary on his life. And there was a clip in that documentary where he's quoted as saying, my father, King George V, was a strict disciplinarian. Sometimes when I had done something wrong, he would admonish me saying, my dear boy, you must always remember who you are. I think God our Father, the King of Kings, says the same thing to us every single day. My dear child, Remember who you are. You're a child of the king. You're a king's kid. You're related to the, to the creator of the universe. You have a familial association with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Remember who you are. And start to live like it. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I, 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 just, I just treasure this portion of the scriptures for several reasons, but especially for how it addresses the issue of our identity. So when, when we hear you say that we've been raised with Christ, and that our lives are hidden with Christ in God, and that our glorification is a certain thing, it, it really humbles us and gladdens us like nothing else. Indeed, Lord Jesus, you're the only one who can break the binding power of our sin and shame because you've completely broken the condemning power of our guilt. Thank you for doing everything necessary to deal with our sin, sin that has led to multiple layers of shame and misery in so many of our lives. And we now freely cry, <laughs> Abba, Father, Daddy, because you took all the guilt and all the shame of our sin on the cross. Thank you. In times of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there really is only one foundation. 
in this broken generation when all is dark. You help us see. You help us see there's only one salvation. We believe. And now every time we gather as a church family for gospel-centered worship and gospel-centered preaching, you show up. You show up and you manifest your grace in powerful ways as you proclaim the majesty and mercy of our Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we can't, we just cannot hear this too often or too loudly, that we are in Christ Jesus our Lord and that you're not ashamed of us. Jesus, you call us your friends. Thank you. Thank you. We pray this in your most holy, most precious, most powerful name, the name of Jesus, the name at which every knee shall bow and every, and every tongue confess that you are Lord, Lord of all. Amen.